We interact with quite a few Christians who struggle with their salvation. I'm talking about assurance here. They have asked God to regenerate them, and there's really, in my view, no reason to question that. I think if anyone is sincere as they are and they want God to save them, they want to be regenerated, they want to walk with the Lord, they want to go to heaven, they want to be a child of the King, they want to be Christ-like, there's really no question in my mind that God did regenerate them. But some of these people worry about that, and maybe that's true for all of us, at some point, and then some some get stuck there, and then some work through it, and then they move on. I know I struggled with my salvation 30 years ago, shortly thereafter, after God regenerated me. Uh, I was happy for a while and praising God, and then the doubts began to settle in, and I was in Bible college during that season of my life, and I had other brothers as well who were going to Bible college with me, and they struggled similarly, but we we worked it out, and, and that happens for, I would say, most of us, but some people do get stuck with that, and they will write in, and they talk about this idea of assurance or doubting their salvation. Sometimes it's tied to sin. Uh, they sin. I, I remember my—I say my first disappointment with God. Actually, it was, it was my second disappointment with God as I sinned. I had this idea that after God regenerated me, I would not sin again. I didn't know anything about the Bible, and so I had to come to terms with that. How can I be a Christian and still commit sin? And so I want to address these ideas in this podcast, and I hope it will be a benefit to you. Those of you who are insecure about your salvation or your relationship with God, those of you who struggle with sin and you wonder why you are still habituated, as Paul talked, habituated in sin, and as Paul talked about in Ephesians 4.22, we bring our former manner of life into our Christian experience. And so after you wake up, after you come from death, after you see the light, well, when you do wake up and turn around and look, guess what? Your former manner of life is still there, but that can be troubling to some souls. Let me also add as well that many times these people, they're the people types or the personality types, or for however reason they got here, they struggle with worry. And what you will find is a this is a habituation in their life that they tend to over-worry. Uh, people who aren't as anxious or fearful or insecure or timid, as far as a characterization is concerned, they can move through this quickly. And, and sometimes, and maybe most times, is has, a, has less to do with a lack of salvation and more to do that this person is just a worrier or a fearful person, no matter how they got there. And they, in many cases, they just need to deal with this idea of worry and, and fear. But nevertheless, I want to address this in the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily, <laughs> Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. And the title of this podcast, When You Worry About Your Sin, you hinder the gospel. And if you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to do that. Go to our website, again, rickthomas.net, and you can read this article. You can 
type in this title or some version of this title in the Nifty Magnifying Glass, the search feature on our website, and it will pop up for you. I also have many embedded links inside of this article, and I'll talk about that later because if you're struggling this way, then I really want you to take advantage of all of these resources, and I want you to do what I'm appealing to you to do because it will help you, especially if you tend to overthink or overworry your sin or this idea of being saved. On January the 17, 18, 19, as many of you are listening to this podcast, I will be with Dr. Daniel Berger in Sarasota, Florida at Calvary Chapel at the Hope Conference. Daniel and I will be headlining, we'll be speaking on this idea of, of hope and, and talking about that, I trust thoroughly and practically and beneficially. Uh, if you happen to hear this podcast before we are there, that is Friday, I think Friday is the 18th of January, 2020, whatever that Friday is. And then, and then on Saturday, then if you're in the area, please, please go by uh, Calvary Chapel. And you can also hit us up on our website, and we'll give you a link so that you can find it and all the particulars of that. If you, we just, uh, I just finished a, a a conversation with a pastor in New Jersey, and so we will be in. I will be in New Jersey uh, in the fall of 2020. I'll also be in North uh, Northeast Georgia. Uh, in the spring of 2020, and we have a couple of other meetings that are set as well. If you want to keep up with what we are doing, what the Lord is doing through this ministry, uh, please get the free updates. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything, and you can unsubscribe anytime that you want to. But that is the best place to make sure you catch all that's going on with this ministry. And also, if you want me to come speak to your group, please contact us. There's a contact button on our website in the bottom right-hand corner. Just hit that and say, hey, let's talk about what do we need to do to get you to get you to our place. And it can be a marriage retreat. It can be a, a full-orbed biblical counseling conference. We're working through that talking. We started the talking aspect of that in Colorado. Hopefully, we'll be able to pull that off as well. Or it can be any other type meeting, that, you, or it could just be a a, a one-day event, but whatever would best serve you. But if you'd like for me to come speak, just ask. That's all you have to do. It's not complicated. All right, so I want to talk about this idea of wor- over-worrying when you sin. And as I titled it in this podcast and the article, when you worry about your sin, you hinder the gospel. Worry Uh, is the antithesis of the gospel, and what you want to do when worry sets in, you want to be making a beeline to the gospel, but some people get stuck at the point of worry, and they can't move toward the gospel, and thus that hinders the gospel's power. Now, one of the ways that I want you to think about this, and I want to carefully walk through this, the time it takes you to ask for forgiveness and feeling forgiven while enjoying the freedom of that forgiveness reveals your practical understanding and application of the gospel. That was a big sentence, but what I'm talking about here is the gap between asking for forgiveness and feeling forgiven. Whatever that length of time is, it doesn't matter. It will reveal to you your 
practical understanding and application of the gospel. For example, some folks will, when they sin, after they sin, they will go through a worry period because they have not come to the place of enjoying the gospel thoroughly or practically. And so if you sin and you ask God to forgive you, and you're truly forgiven at that point, 1 John 1, 9, I don't think it could be clearer, but yet though you are forgiven, you don't feel forgiven, and it can linger maybe for hours or days or or weeks, or maybe this is just how you are characterized, as I was talking about, at the head of the podcast, that you're truly forgiven, but you don't feel forgiven, and you you tend to grovel or wallow in worry or maybe self-pity. Well, that is problematic, and we need to address that. And so I'm going to address that here. And so I want to bring my friend Mabel out here so that we can share a little snippet of her life. Biff and Mabel are always willing characters in my plays. And so today we'll have Mabel. And Mabel is standing down front at her church meeting on a Sunday morning. She was participating with the congregation in a rousing rendition of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. By the way, as an aside, uh, this is one of my funeral songs. This is the top of the list for me. This is my all-time favorite song, and I have a list of of funeral songs. And by the way, if you don't have your funeral songs, you, you need to go ahead and get that ready because you won't be able to do it after the fact. And so you want to let somebody know what are your funeral songs so that they can worship your home going. But one of my funeral songs is when I survey the wondrous cross. And so Mabel is at her church meeting and she is belting out the hit. She felt as though her heart would explode as she reflected upon the glories of Calvary juxtaposed to God's merciful regeneration of her, a wretched sinner. As Jerry Bridges says, when you, you take the, or said, as you take the black, uh, or take the diamonds and you put it against the black uh, felt, that is as far apart as you can get, and the diamonds just explode off that black felt. And that's how Mabel felt as she was worshiping by singing when I surveyed the wondrous cross. As she's thinking about the glories of Calvary and realizing the wretchedness of her sin and that that God regenerated her and that does make the that does rev up the heart just a little bit she could not sing any louder or with more passion though she felt as though her gratitude was incomplete and that happens i mean in our finite bodies i i say it this way that god's language and our language don't connect the english language will only take you which is my language but whatever your language is it'll only take you so high and god only starts there starts above that point because there aren't enough words is what i'm saying to express our gratitude for what god has done we need another language uh, so to speak. How could she fully express her appreciation for the Savior of the world? But regardless, even imperfectly, it was a joy to express thanksgiving to the Lord for the unmerited gift of salvation. And then, out of nowhere, right on the heels of her worship came insecurity. 
with arms extended, she felt as though every eye in the room was watching her. Her body temperature started to rise as she fell under the spell of what do other people think of me right now? How am I coming across right now? And isn't that the way it is for fallen worshipers? Even our, in our most spiritual moments, sin is crouching at the door. You get up from your prayer time feeling refreshed and refocused. Within moments, you're angry at a family member. In this corner is Jesus, and in the other corner is Adam. It's a loser-leaves-town match, and you're the mat upon which they are grappling in your soul. We live our lives under the dim lights that are neither white hot or entirely black. And the photography world is 18% gray. It's that murky place where we live in this fallen world. It's in this context that we must come to terms with walking with Jesus while in a body of death. Paul said it very well in Romans 7, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I, I serve the law of sin. It's important that you understand Adam and you enjoy Jesus is critical. Mabel's theology is inadequate on a practical level. It's always at the moment of your temptation that you can take an objective measure of your practical theology. When you are tempted or when you, when you succumb to temptation and you sin, what you do next and how you think next, that will give you an objective measure of your practical theology. And though Mabel understands both sin and bondage and faith and freedom, she compartmentalizes them. And honestly, if you take the accent mark and if you slide it across the spectrum, on one side you have sin and bondage, and on the other side you have faith and, and freedom, she tends to keep the accent mark on sin and bondage, not faith and freedom. What Mabel does not practically understand is the interplay between sin and, and, and faith. And so rather what she does she compartmentalizes them, and rather than do that, she needs to see and understand the interplay between sin and faith. She has not figured out why she would inexplicably choose sin more than trusting, especially in one of those most spiritually sensitive and exalting times during her week, the Sunday morning church meeting. Now, Mabel went on to mention that she does a similar thing during her prayer time. She said it this way, I can be praying, and, and things would be so sweet. Then, without warning, I have weird and sometimes awful thoughts that go through my head. I don't get it. How can you be worshiping God at the Sunday meeting or during prayer and start sinning at the same time? Well, that's how Mabel thought about it, and quite honestly, I understand what she's saying and how she's feeling about all of this. And though Mabel is in Christ, she is also in Adam. She is a saint who still sins. 
occasionally. She is not entirely sanctified. Now, ironically, Mabel knows this because she acknowledges how sin tempts her, and sometimes she will yield to it. But what she does not understand is why her sin trips her up during high spiritual moments to the point that it ruins those moments. Well, I've got some experience with that. And I suspect if you spend a little bit of time, probably not too much time it won't take, you'll probably concur that you have experience with Mabel's angst and her situation well. Lucia and I used to be this way. For example, we would get into an argument on the way to our church meeting. And though we would reciprocally forgive each other, we were unable to enter the worship during the singing time not until we felt like we had repented enough, whatever enough means. And that's what I was saying a while ago, is that the gap between the time that you ask forgiveness, in this case, asking God to forgive me of my anger and asking Lucia to forgive me of my anger, or Lucia doing similarly, the gap between forgiveness and launching into worship at the church meeting Depending on how long that gap is or how short that gap is, how brief it is, that will reveal to you your practical understanding of the gospel. Instead of asking God and each other for forgiveness and living in the freedom of that transaction, we felt as though we needed to pay a penance, to to be free from our sin. This worldview that I'm describing to you is called functional legalism. I'm not calling it outright legalism because legalism in a salvific sense truly means that you are you believe that you're earning your way uh, to heaven. Uh, I don't think I've ever believed that. I uh, pretty much have always embraced Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are you saved and not of works. But there is a functional legalism that works out practically and can work out practically in our lives and in the early stages of our marriage, Lucia and I, we, we were this way. And though we knew it was wrong, again, we understood Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we felt the need to grovel, to look sad, to manifest enough perceived guilt so the other one would see that we were serious about our repentance. And by the way, if you are a spouse that demands this kind of visual before you will forgive somebody or or forgive your spouse or release them, you need to repent too. You don't manipulate forgiveness out of someone. If they ask you for forgiveness, you forgive them. How many times? I don't know. Let's just go with 70 times 70 70 and see where where that gets you. But for us, rather than asking for forgiveness and freely receiving forgiveness and immediately, no gap, I'm talking about immediately enjoying the fruit of a restored relationship with God and each other. Again, we felt compelled to add our works to the repentance process. If we truly lived out biblical thinking, we would repent to each other. Lucia, will you forgive me for getting angry at you? and be able to worship spontaneously at the first note of the first song. Now, many of you have had this experience on Communion Day. 
at your local church. You got in an argument on the way to the church meeting, and then you walked inside the building and saw those blooming communion plates, (laughs) and you went, oh, snap. I just got in an argument with my spouse, and and now them communion plates, and, and here's how complicated it gets. I struggle with fear of man, and so what would people think if I let the plates pass by and I didn't get the uh, get the drink or the, or the bread? So not only do you have a sin against your spouse, you see the communion uh, plates there, you feel manipulated, like you got to do some kind of repentance right now because you don't want to let the plates pass by because of what other people think of you. And so you ask your spouse to forgive you, and you may or may not ask God to forgive you. Uh, You forget. And then afterwards, it's just all jumbled and complicated. Some of you have been there. I may or may not. I'm not going to say right now. But because of our functional legalism, we tend to act as though we need to climb a few steps, bloody up our knees, kiss Peter's ring, before we would be free enough to enjoy God and each other. In truth, what I just described to you is the mocking of the gospel. And though we knew, Rick and Lucia, that Christ's death was enough to cover all of our sins, we still felt as though groveling was in order so that we could feel better about ourselves. This kind of thinking is at the heart of legalism. And Mabel needs to understand this problem with gospel clarity. She should not trip herself up when yielding to the sin in the middle of a worship service. She needs to realize that in this corner is Jesus, and and that corner is Adam, and, and her soul is the mat upon which they grapple. Adam ever liveth in this world. And because of this truth... It is possible to experience temptation or yield to it at any moment during her day, even times of high praise or intense prayer. These are not the moments to feel sad about, but moments to embrace the power of the gospel. You know, in a way, kids are like this. Kids can be so angry with each other. I mean, truly going at it and then playing together within seconds like nothing ever happened. That's that's shrinking that timeline down to a nanosecond, and that's where you want to get to. You don't have to convince yourself that you are forgiven by groveling or wallowing in self-pity, and, and you don't have to convince anyone else. Ask God to forgive you, and you are forgiven. And ask, ask the other person to forgive you, and you are forgiven. And then, and then boom, the first note, engage singing. You want to be like these children, which you can because of the power of the gospel. It has thoroughly cleansed you and releases you to engage God and others freely. I told Mabel that there is hardly a time when I lift my hands in a worship service that I don't think about what others might be thinking about me. No matter how fleeting those thoughts are, it still happens even to this day. But rather than those moments throwing me for a loop, God has graciously helped me to understand His gospel practically. Now, it takes work to get to that place. Today, I can worship God, think sinfully, 
quickly reclaim my position in Christ through repentance and return to praising again. And similarly, Lucia and I can sin against each other, receive forgiveness, and promptly re-engage as though nothing happened. How can you do that? The answer is the gospel. Only the power of the gospel can not only cleanse you from past sins, but it will cleanse you immediately from present sins, especially in those moments where you need to get back to the business of worshiping God and enjoying others. Why let sin have that kind of power over you? Why not let the gospel have that kind of power over you? So when sin disrupts the family dynamic because there's anger or whatever is going on and there is forgiveness truly asked and received, why not get back to the business of worshiping God and enjoying others? Let's move on. Now, if you struggle this way, here's your call to action. By the way, as a reminder, the title of this podcast is When You Worry About Your Sin. And in the context of this podcast, I'm talking about over-worrying. Perhaps worry comes in a moment, but if it's just a nanosecond, then all right, you can move on to the gospel because that's what you're going to do. But for those of you who over-worry, or the title is, when you worry about your sin, you, you hinder the gospel, I want to give you some practical help to think through this. So if you struggle this way, I want you to read the articles that are, that are linked inside this one that I'm sharing with you right now. And I also want you to work through the call to action section, which is below this, and I'll try to get to that in, in just a moment. Additionally, I want you to talk to a competent friend, a biblical friend who has the courage and the compassion uh, to walk with you. They're willing to come alongside you in this process because this is not going to go away in a day, in a week. This is going to take some time. And then I also want you to get my book, Change Me, The Ultimate Life Handbook. In fact, I just received a note from a man named Dan. I was talking to Dan, and we're, I'm going to his—oh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's another meeting that I have. I'm sorry. I forgot where it was. I'm going to Raleigh, North Carolina to do a meeting there, to do a, a little conference there for Dan and, and his church. And so he's starting to take his— uh, men through this book, Change Me, and he, he got his copy today as I'm doing this podcast and sent me a note and said, I got it. I like it. I want more copies, and I understand there's a bulk rate. Can I get a, uh, a less, can I get a discount if I buy in bulk? The answer is yes, you can. By the way, if you want to buy any of our books in bulk, just again, hit the contact button and and let us know how many, anything over 10, uh, you can get a a bulk price. And so I want you to get my book, Change Me, and I want you to begin a six-month study answering all the questions at the end of each chapter. There's questions at the end of each chapter, and that friend who is walking alongside you, I I want you to uh, share those what you're learning with that individual. Here's the call to action. I won't be able to go through all of it, but again, you can pull up this article if you wish. You can print it off. You can email it. You can PDF it, uh, and you can make many notes, and you can work through all of these. But let me do uh, one or two. The first question is, do you require your friends or family members to pay a penance to earn your forgiveness? I briefly touched on this earlier. You don't want to be that person 
where you're manipulating forgiveness or you're basically what we're talking about here is holding a grudge because you are angry at what they did to you. Well, in most situations where one person sins against another, especially within the family, typically there's a need for a double confession because typically the person who was sinned against, it's not unusual for them to become sinfully angry as a response to what they did to them. And so do you require your friends or or family members to pay a penance to earn your forgiveness? If you do, what is wrong with your theology of the gospel? And what is your plan to change? Question number two, do you practice functional legalism in your soul when you sin? Meaning, rather than immediately running to the cross, you condemn yourself in self-pity. Are you that person? If you are, then please do what I ask you to do as far as this long-term homework assignment. Number three, do you feel forgiven based on Christ's works? I use the word feel intentionally here, an emotional word. Do you feel forgiven based on Christ's work, or do you feel the need to wallow a bit longer until you Believe the debt is gone? That's functional legalism. What does that kind of thinking reveal about you? That kind of theological thinking, or you could say poor theological thinking, what does it reveal about you? And what would change look like? What would the change process look like for you, practically speaking? And then number four, How much time goes by between you committing sin, asking God for forgiveness, and feeling utterly free from your sin? I have more questions here, and you can read those. Uh, The podcast is, When You Worry About Sin, You Hinder the Gospel. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.